Good evening and welcome to the Lap and Monkey Music Show. Today we have Nicole Couchon. Nicole, how are you? Hi, Sean. I'm good. Nicole is calling us from the other side of the world, so I thank you. It's later on in the day. It's trying to be inter, uh, I don't know, across the, the ocean. I'm on the other side of the ocean. We'll, we'll talk about it. So Nicole originally played in Phantom Blue, but she's got new music coming out, and we're going to talk about that. And she's also done some really cool stuff with... Um, Helping, helping children and working with people with disabilities too. And I want to kind of talk about that, which is really cool. Um, you, you sing and you play piano also, right? I do. That's where I started before when guitar. You, how long had you been playing piano before you switched to guitar? Um, I recall starting to play piano around three. And then once I got into primary school, and was taught how to read music, then I really dove headfirst in, into piano. And between three and 10, I believe, I got very serious and took lessons. And Well, those are the years too, to get really good too. When, you, when you're younger like that, those are the years to really hone it in. Like yeah, I wish age. I could go back because I just, I mean, if you know how to read music, and you have a songbook, you're unlimited what you can do. And my mom, right. thank, thankfully, was a very good pianist. And she always had everything from Scott Joplin. She used to play Ragtime and, um, oh gosh, Rhapsody in Blue, which is yeah. Mancini, I believe. Yeah. And, and she had these compilations of songbooks with everything from Elton John to... Um, Barbara Streisand, and I just loved it. And classical pieces too, which eventually I learned all of my classical pieces by heart. And then after a brain injury, forgot everything. So, and now when I tried any, to- any, any, I'm sorry, did, did you find like mm -hmm. any muscle memory come back? Like anything like all of a sudden, kind of like you start playing, you're like, oh, how did I, I didn't know that. Like anything you play um, kind of- no, I've forgotten everything that I did with Phantom Blue, but shortly after I left Los Angeles, I had kind of decided to leave Phantom Blue and moved back to Memphis, Tennessee. I had been writing with West Arkeen. Oh, wow. Because yeah. we did, we wrote one song with Michelle for the second album, but West and I kind of continued to hang out and write and I put one of those songs down on rec a recorder at a studio and the rest I just kept in my brain. And thankfully I didn't forget them. And <clears throat> over the course of the next few months, hopefully I'll get those recorded and <sighs> all of that because they're just typical West Arkeen. They've got right. his thing. Yeah. I mean, he was just such a brilliant guitarist and, we wrote most of the music together and then I finished the lyrics and whatnot later on, on my own. Mm -hmm. After we had like, I, like once I left LA, I didn't really keep in contact with anyone in LA. And one day I was thinking, gosh, I'm going to call West. And I think I was living in Memphis, Tennessee and talked to him about all this stuff that I finished. And it's like, God, he's dead. So, oh. 
Yeah. Well, it's, almost, it's great that you actually still have the songs, though. I mean, yeah. And I, it's like a nice tribute. And, uh, I, you know, I forgot how to tell time, but I remember those songs. It's all right. It's not, time really isn't important. <laughs> no, it's not. We I, stopped, you know, I think it's so unimportant. I stopped wearing a watch a long time ago. I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't I'm not there. Someone's going to find me. Go find me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's when you start, you know, no, no pants with pockets, no watches, just kind of you know, go back in life. Yeah. Simple life, you know. And, yeah, and then, it's like the phone. It's like, do we really need them? Yeah, I have mixed emotions. I'm, I, unfortunately, I'm, I'm I'm tethered to it more than I need to be. You know, yeah. for so many reasons. Because you you know, then if you decide not to do it as a phone, as a parent, you leave yeah. the phone in the room. You're like, then also no one can. Yeah, I was trying to text you. There's a problem. Or, or, you know what I mean? So then you feel like right. it's always yeah. with you for that one reason. I'm like, because sometimes I just want to like leave it, go out for a while, and I'm like, I, every time I've done it, it's always been like. The kids call me for something. Otherwise, I'll have it on me for three days, and I won't hear from them at all. I'm in the same right. place. So, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just that from the lock. It's like they're unless they're just waiting for me. Like they plan it out. You know what I mean? They they, they yeah. plan it out on me. But, kids, they're terrible. Right? <laughs> they they do they do test you. You know mm-hmm. that's where all my gray hairs come from. The fifty. So um, right. God. What's 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 great is I, I'll bet you even in, in Phantom Blue when you play. And let's just—I'm just something with the music point of reference. There's always there's a great melody in your guitar playing. And I, I can only imagine it goes back to you growing up listening to classical music, and also a lot of sing, a lot of singer songwriter you played on piano. So I, I imagine it had an imprint on you, like mentally, of a good song structure, a good melody, because that's kind of what I heard in your playing. Oh, well, am I thank off you. on that? Or <laughs> no, that—that's something that I—I I, what's strived for in playing is to um, incorporate the little deadly woodly with some nice melodies. Um, no, I, I, it definitely came from my influences like Neil Diamond, Mary, mm-hmm. Barry, Barry Manilow, Barbara Streisand, always on piano singing. At a parent Unfortunately, yeah. I can't write that good, but but you, you don't need to write those songs. They've already been written. That's yeah, boring. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want to be a second-rate Neil Diamond? I mean, Neil Diamond is right. Neil Diamond. Who, who, you know what I mean? He's already done it. Yeah. It never works out good trying to be somebody else. Right, you know? right. You can only be your best being you, and that's the only way you can be on top. You know? um, True. But yeah, so I, that's what I heard. That's how your music always, you know, in, in the few that brief period of music that was out in print and video, <laughs> yeah. that's what caught my ear. It was, wow. It's it's fast and it's kind of shreddy, but even talking about your tone, it it there was a melody to it. It separated it from everything else. Oh, yeah. that's and nice. That's what, Thank you. Well, you're welcome. And that's what I think I missed. That's probably why I didn't continue on with Band Blue after you left, because while you may have written the other songs, I feel like that other piece was missing. You know, I really I cake, really I enjoy this second album because um, I really like how it's saying vocally for Gigi because she really has mm-hmm. the most beautiful metal voice I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. And the first album, the poor girl just had to scream everything, but she's still singing it, which is incredible. Yeah. But the second album, she really got to show off her vocal skills and it's a lot more melodic. I right. know it, it kind it, of I, turned off it, the shred fans. It, 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 it changed a little bit. And I listen to all kinds of music too. So it's not like it's like, you know, metalhead by any of those and everything. But right. 
I missed that part about it. Like, yeah, I mean, she 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 sings awesome, and and, and Linda, I love Linda's drumming, and and that mm-hmm. project, I love her. I love her Nary Maidens. So it's kind of that everybody's playing, but there was a certain element of you and Michelle and the guitars that to play together, the final result in the recording, you know, right? That that was that was a special mix to me, you know. Yeah, Michelle, she was awesome. God, that she girl, she she really was. She was the most she is the most underrated female artist that I could think of she I mean if you listen collectively to what she did with Phantom Blue first album second album Mm -hmm. and then with Meldrum um, Loaded Metal Canyon she was a riff master yeah she could just come up with the best guitar licks ever you guys wrote songs together How'd you guys blend? Was it like a separate piece? Well, you guys were writing together. You guys had it. Um, it was always one of us coming up with the guitar part. Um, I mean, I have to be brutally honest. There was a lot of grass involved. That's. <laughs> I mean, I we're s- adults here. I'm not teaching children anymore, but we smoked a lot of weed. But me and we- Michelle, we would just get in her room, smoke, eat. And she'd be like, oh, Nick, I had this riff and I'm kind of thinking like Janis Joplin kind of vocals and lyrics. And we would end up on the floor just laughing hilariously. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually we'd get something done. And then yeah, and sometimes she would come with like three or four different guitar parts just played separately. I'm like, okay, well, you got to put these together like this. So it was it was a good mix like where I was stuck she would come in and say well do this or I would take her guitar parts and put them together so we really worked well together and laughed so hard she was such a funny girl I just you know I think about how she went to sleep not knowing and that was my instinct too when I realized I was you know something was wrong I was like I'm gonna go to my bedroom and sleep it off and I fell and my husband at the time was like, no, you're going in the ambulance. Yeah. It's like, I don't have insurance. <laughs> Typical Americans. Right. But they got to take Michelle. you. Yeah. They, well, but Michelle, she just fell asleep and never woke up. Which is good when you're older. I mean, when yeah, you're younger. Ideal. Not, right. not 38. Uh, see, I know so I'm not going to go that way. I mean, I'm going to be hit by like a health food truck or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Or a piano. I'm gonna have like a cartoon character, or an anvil, or something. <laughs> yeah. Like drop the lead anvil now. Yeah, I, I'm just really... gonna be like, that Sean lived and died like a cartoon character. That's how it is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's that's my life. That would be perfect. Yeah, but, but it would. When you had that happen to you, which is horrible, I, I have this respect that you just keep going on. You're not moping about it. You took that and you started working with teaching kids, right? So... Yeah, I was. Um just kind of getting acclimated to the new life of being visually impaired and walking down the street. Mm-hmm. I was an avid runner at the time of the stroke. Mm-hmm. And actually, can I say, so, I for you for one minute for a second. I just want to say anybody's mm-hmm. watching, um, Nicole is has, has visual problems seeing things small. So the fact yeah, that she's I, I'm not walking visually, she, cool. she's wearing these glasses. So it's such an honor that she's taking the time to visually make it easier for me to talk to her and look at her. It's, it's I'm very sorry, really. Just, no, don't, no, 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 no. It's all a blur. 
put, put them on. It's not an apology. I'm just letting everybody know that it's just such a gift that she's usually even talking to us like this because it's not an easy thing for her. And I want to thank you. So please continue. No problem. Okay. Much respect. So I was sitting at home one day in Terrytown, New York, which is a little suburb about 30 minutes north of New York City. And my ex-husband comes in the apartment. He's like, get dressed. You've got to come across the street with me. I'm like, what's going on? So we walk across the street and we open the doors of this church. And it, it's like the freaking Muppet movie, you know, the scene of Dr. Teeth and the electric yeah, mayhem. That's what I exactly thought of too. And it's, it's just mayhem. It's like a drum set, guitars, karaoke, and music blaring, and at least 20, 30 kids, adults. Right. And it was, um, gosh, everything from Down syndrome, um, spinal cord injuries, brain injury survivors, just running around the room, the ones who could walk and were mobile. If not, I brought them instruments and helped them, you know, whatever they needed to do. But it just, it was amazing because it just changed their whole especially the severe autism. Yeah. It's like, it's the one time when you see an autistic person really speak when they're singing their favorite songs. And it, it, was, it was, yeah, it was really awesome. Um, so you were like living nearby or across, like you were actually across, across the street. street. Yeah. So I didn't have to drive talk, or get lost. No, no, but like talk about a coincidence. I mean, it almost feels like, talk about like, you know, how life kind of works out. Yeah. Like, would you have been there to do this? And like, what a gift of, you got to probably feel like you got the gift by working with them. I can imagine. No, it, you have a nice, no, you have really. a kind heart. It feels like you it, got the gift. No, they, they, they were the gift really. It right, was that's incredible. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It feels like you got a gift from them. I said, you volunteering yeah. and doing your time with them. You're probably like, no, I was going to walk away probably more fulfilled. Yeah. And, and it, if you no. live there and it happened, it would have happened that way. You wouldn't have been there for those no. kids. I mean, how many lives did you touch? Because, you know. No, I agree. I, I, I and I wanted to continue that in France, but because I'm not learning the language quick enough, I haven't gotten into that, but, but I'll, I'll find it again somehow, some way. Yeah. I mean, I think you should, I think. It's I will important to have somebody that can, and I, I bet there's a, there's a relatable part too. And they see, well, you know, when somebody comes in like, oh, it's easy for you, you can, you can walk and you can think and you can, you have all your, you know, senses, you know what I mean? No one's going right. to look at you differently. Yeah. And you're like, no, I've got my own challenges and my own disabilities. So I'm going to get up, I'm going to do my best to get together. And yeah. here's how we're going to, here's how we're going to mm -hmm. use the common language around the world called music. Music. Exactly. The music, yeah. the music holds, you know, all your emotions. You can, you can right. explain all your emotions with music. You don't have to use any mm -hmm. words. You can pick a song or a sound yeah. from an instrument. There's some of the, you know, some instruments are just pure sadness, and, and but but it's like a melancholy. You know what I mean? And it right. just make you feel a certain way when you hear it. I mean, I mean, some that, of these kids couldn't even articulate their words. It was just it meant so much just for them to pick their song every week and get up on the altar at the church. Maybe it was sacrilegious. <laughs> It's a stage they now. Would have, yeah, it's, it's a stage. And they a would stage, get their instruments. Yeah. Some some yeah. would, you know, have guitars and there'd be a kid on the drum set in the corner and 
And I was just fearless. I mean, it, there was this young kid who had cerebral palsy, Nikki, and he just was, he could not, I don't think he ever sat up a day in his life. And I would just like take the snare drum, put it in front of him, a cymbal, and just yeah. grab him, put the sticks in his hand and manipulate his limbs. And he really like, just his face was like, wow. You know, he, he couldn't speak. But yeah. He, he he enjoyed it. You know, I, I don't think those cases of severe disability get enough attention as it is. So to see them find five times a week and mm-hmm. give them one-on-one attention and grab their arms and, you know, hit a snare drum to the beat of the music, it was really cool. I can't imagine. I mean, if you think about all the things that we go through on our normal day, when you can be physical or primal, you get mad, you can slam your fist. Imagine just not being right. able to use any of that to have any kind of release. Yeah. You know, and drums is like one, probably one of the best primal releases besides that and screaming. Like Absolutely. Right. To not have, and if you can't talk and you can't do, do like a, a release like that, like it's just talk about being trapped, you know? It is. It is a trap. And so those classes were such a great release for them. You know, and that's the thing. There should be more music classes falling, but you know, of course, it goes back to like resources and that, 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 yeah. politics and stuff. You know, but yeah, yeah cut funding. Yeah, yeah, we went through that. Did you? Yeah. So you, how long you did it for? Like, five, was it five years? I read. Um, no, right? it wasn't five years. It was about two, three years. You mean the internet was wrong? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm also a an accomplished pianist, which. I don't know where that, it was on a Wikipedia page. And it's like, what does that even mean, accomplished? <laughs> I've never done anything but play at a recital in school. <laughs> I think I, I think they probably just accomplished probably feels like if you've been a learning professional, like as a child, like really learning it. Uh, probably. I mean, probably I, I was good, but I wasn't accomplished. But it looked cool, so... <laughs> Playing as long as you did as a child makes me, it does feel like it's justified though. Being yeah, yeah, on, yeah. A, like a bill of sale or, you know, you, you, you do all these concerts right. or something. You know what I mean? You get yeah. the time and you get the effort. <laughs> so I like to go a little back and forth as we talk. So but you're also a singer. Right. And you were singing prior. Now, were you singing a lot when you were younger and playing piano? I, I was. And then eventually I got into country music and living in the South. Um, me and my friends at school found this old auction house in Nesbitt, Mississippi, run by Carl Perkins. Oh, wow. Like you would, you would show up on Thursdays. They had this house band of a, um, a, what's the steel guitar yeah. or a pedal. Yeah. Yeah. The pedal guitar and just incredible, perfect house band. And you would tell them I'm going to do this song by Juice Newton this week. You'd go on Thursday, rehearse it with them, and then come back on Saturday and perform. Really? Also, yeah, points was... the Juice Newton reference. I have not. <laughs> oh, I love her. <laughs> I do too. I guess it is a lot of really good song, but once again, that was more of a singer-songwriter time in life. Yeah, you know, you're, I, you're not going to get a, a Juice Newton nowadays. I like the name. It feels good to say Juice <laughs> Newton. You know what I mean? <laughs> Juice like, like it feels really feels like, right. like a snack or a drink. <laughs> yeah, a juice box. Yeah. Like a juice box or like a fig newton. I'm gonna go for a juice newton right now. No, they they don't have artists like that. Although I'm I'm gonna say it. I like Taylor Swift. 
it's like, yeah, shoot me. But I like the girl. No, um, yeah, just Newton. That's funny. Back, back then, <laughs> even even artists that, but even artists, even I may have not have liked, but I had such a respect for their songwriting and the fact that mm-hmm. you could go to a place like that and do these kind of songs. There's right with such a good band. Right, yeah. but what's, what what a good a gift back then though, also with music is like you can't do that now, and I'm not talking COVID either. Before that, right. you couldn't walk in two years ago to a club if they had it. You know what I mean? And be in a right. band or jam. Find a really good band. And, and find mentors. Will... The only places, and I don't live out there, I've heard in LA, there's a couple of clubs that do like GM nights, which is good. Thank goodness people are working together and they're, they're doing it. Right. But that's probably the best thing they have for artists right now that I've heard. You know, yeah, openness. you can do karaoke, but it's really hard right. to find a good band. So, I think there's a place in New York City, the Bitter End, on the Lower East Side, where they have a good collection of musicians who will improvise forever, whoever wants to get up and play. But I've never done it, so. But what a great place. I love the artist. I could never do it. I'd have, I'd have a heart attack and an aneurysm. I'd have everything before you got to the stage, just for my chair. Yeah. Stage, thinking about it. But, <laughs> well, I'd be I'd like to... Spinal Tap looking for the stage loss. <laughs> I'd have to practice. I'd, I'd be practicing everything. I'd be improvising. <laughs> practicing being spontaneous. I couldn't do it. Um, but but you, but, but that kind of training ground for people and like you being able to play at that young age with such seasoned artists. I mean, that really helps you. It gives you oh, metal. I, I don't mean metal as in you know heavy metal. I mean like you're just as, as just a strength and, and a skill set that you don't get. Right. It, you're not going to get that from playing in a room on Instagram. No, definitely not. And it definitely made me realize this is what I want to do. I didn't want to be a singer standing on stage, but I mm-hmm. did not want to go to college and be a serious adult. So, <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be one. No. Being an adult that that ship a... sailed. Who's <laughs> <laughs> talking about it? So it's like you walk by the mirror and you're like, who's that creepy old guy looking at me? Because like, I don't know who that person is. Because <laughs> you're thinking of yourself as something else, right? Who let you in the house? Like, Always going in Memphis, the only music store was right across the street from Graceland. And we always seemed to be going up the road. Um, It was Elvis Presley Boulevard to get to the mall and other places. Pardon? I I was there. I actually took a trip one time just to see Graceland. I was very surprised and disappointed because I thought it was going to look different. Like the area around it. It's not the the nicest neighborhood. No, it's not. It's quite crummy but I was always there at the music store and then eventually I noticed the guitars hanging and I'm trying to think the music that I was into at the time how old were you I hadn't I was like 12 okay and for some reason I wanted a guitar and my brother wanted drums so it was Christmas and we woke up and there was a snare drum for my brother and a um epiphone les paul copy for me and i was like this is great and so my parents got me lessons at the same music store across from graceland and my brother drum lessons and then we had a library in our home and i had a is this five foot pv stack and he had a slingerland drum set wow and I think the first song we ever played was Destroyer by the Kinks. Yeah. 
And at this time, I just kept taking lessons. And then I discovered like effect pedals and stuff. And it was like, oh, wow. And then I started hanging out with older musicians in Memphis who really introduced me to really good music like Pat Travers. And and then like Joan Jett came along and I got into um, Rush and Iron Maiden and the Pretenders, Chrissy Hind. And it's like, God, I just got to bust out of here. What was really interesting, and this is something I really sound really great about you, you're, you're playing. So that, that time of, of, you know, the influences, like you didn't go into like a Nashville player or country because where you were located, you know I mean, the fact you translated it, you actually went ended up in LA doing metal, you know, right. from where you were. Like most people go to go do the opposite or and the fact you, that's quite a progression of play though. Even if you're starting at, at 12 and then, you know, I just, in blue and, right. It was weird because I, at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do. It's like, I, I knew I wanted to be a musician. I didn't know, do I want to sing and play guitar? Do I want to just sing? Do I want a big band? I didn't know. And I just showed up at GIT at the weirdest time. Like Paul Gilbert was there and Racer X was huge. And I was just like, wow. I mean, it was just such a foreign, like, and I was nowhere near the ability to play like that. And so it was just a weird time to be just surrounded it's exciting. by it just Yeah, it really I, was. It's exciting. And, and, and you, you, that time period, though, for all this looking back, you know, I was just up there in school and recording and just and interacting with other musicians, you know, different levels. Um, what is it really is a special time that other people will not be able to experience because you know I mean it the, the world changed so much yeah you know, I know you, every, every generation it changes but it wasn't just with the type of music that changed the world the, the music industry changed with Napster like the whole world changed yeah. musically prior to that there was always some weird physical connection where you had to go to, you had to, go to school there's bands and lots of clubs there's always with the, the music it was some, some kind of weird convoluted version yeah but once the 90s hit and then you got you know, the shoegazing and then everyone's like kind of like doing certain club circuits, but it changed, the dynamic changed, the groups and everything changed. Um, but it was, it was crazy. I, I do think it must've been all your, your playing of the piano that really helped your melody naturally because that developed in, you know, you already had music training somewhat. So it must've been faster for you to pick up or something conceptually because you really didn't mess around. <laughs> the fact that you were like my age, I was like, oh my God, she plays guitar so good. I can't even pick it up. And I was like, she's just shredding. I'm like, what, what am I doing? Really get my, well, my, my math. Well, once I really arrived shredding. at GIT and settled down, I really buckled down and got serious. And I literally would play anywhere from five to six hours a day with a metronome, just serious. So doing that really kind of put me over that plateau of being able to play technically really good. But there's things that I missed out on. Like, I'm terrible at improv still to this day. Like, if I were to get up on stage with a band and let's say, let's, let's improv over Little Wing, I, I would mm-hmm. suck. That's, that's almost a special niche thing. I would say 50% of guitar players can't improv. You know? Nowadays, yeah. who knows? Even, yeah, I don't think a lot of it. I think it's a mix between a certain type of guitars. Nowadays, I mean, you wouldn't even know because nobody can improv. You mean? When you go on stage, right. you're usually set for a show, and that's it. You know, 
And you, if you're improving, you already have, at what point is your improv stock stuff you've already done yourself? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or if you're a yeah. guitar player, you know your certain notes. I mean, there's very few people that can go out and do it and will actually take a chance on stage and do it, you know? Like, yeah. Like, Weasel Zappa will do it. He'll, he'll, he knows his, his notes and his chords so well. He'll do experimenting, you know, off of those right. things, which is incredible, you know, to do that live. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of know, like, when I re- record, like, just recently, I was in Poland recording. I hadn't worked out any solos. But I, I hear immediately what I want as far as melody and stuff. But there, if it's anything beyond the melody where you're just playing nonstop improv, it's yeah. like, I'm terrible at it. Well, that's actually a good time because that's what I wanted to end this whole thing. That, you know, and when you get your albums out, I want to have you back. We'll talk about it some more when I hear it. But this album and your recording, what got you fired up and... The songwriting i mean this is pretty awesome so finally well like i said i had it. all these songs that i just kind of almost took to the grave with me they've been in my head for years and it's like gosh you know was it COVID? i was just want to did something inspire you to, to do it all of a sudden now because you, obviously you've been playing guitar a little bit here and there um i think it had to do with the process of learning how to play again mm-hmm. you know playing piano i mean my, my husband here in France is an incredible musician. He's surrounded by guitars. He has a piano downstairs, amps everywhere. And so I think it was just the process of being surrounded by music 24-7 and not having to work, which is kind of, it kind of sucks in a way because working a job keeps you grounded and it keeps you you know, independent as a human, but oh, oh, you heard the SoundCloud stuff. That that yeah. song was written with me and West, and we never finished the song. And then I was in my closet in Redondo Beach at like four in the morning. Like, so every good story starts. Yeah. <laughs> and I finally came up and finished the lyrics. And I'm like, shit, I have no way to record this. So Don Dockin just lived and worked in his studio right down the street. And he was kind of in the process of recording his album with John Norm and Mickey D. So he had his studio all set up and he had this huge Norwegian guy who I can't remember his name. I think his name was Skull or something, who was his engineer, who was always in this. Yeah. But he was always in the studio. And so I would just show up with, you know, some champagne or something. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. You can record. Nice. Yeah. So, so that was really, it. yeah, it was really convenient. I think it's good. I think it's good. You're doing something. I hate to see people that are musical enough talent that don't get to express it. You know, it's like Cousin Chains. Yeah. To at least have some kind of outlet, you have to. It's because that's, that's who you are. It's, it's you know. Or you see people that have it and take it for granted. And then people like Michelle, who yeah. didn't know what was about to hit them. It's like, ah, yes, you don't. You, you Life's just, not you know, fair. Never, never. No one ever said it was, though. No, yeah. I think I was assuming that it was. I think, you know, we've all been very yeah. lucky. It's, it's been and I think, you know, you have learned a little bit the past couple of years too. who you are, who your friends are, you know, what, right. What it is. Um, so this is going to be an EP? Oh, I feel so, so bad that I can't see you. It's weird. 
it's okay. I'm, I'm, oh, there's my glasses. I, okay. It's fine. Uh, so, so you're, I feel bad when you do that. Just your EP? Just you yes, How many EP. songs are that? Like six songs? Uh, five, four. Four? Four. And I just think... Just to get feet wet? I think the EP is going to have a full band, which mm, yeah. I, I'm not using nicole couch it's like i don't even know who she is you know <laughs> and, and neither does anyone else that's a great thing you know about not being like linda mcdonald who is like right. she's don't the only her. person besides michelle if you say phantom blue they're like like oh yeah michelle meldrum because michelle went on to like do massive things and linda of course what she's done is huge and so I have a band. Um, I'm still looking for a bass player. Right now I'm recording all the bass myself, which is a lot of fun, but it's hard with a weakened left hand that still isn't 100% back to strength. So. Is it making you stronger? Yeah. The and challenge I like there to, is kind of good. Right. And I like to write on bass too, because I have terrible rhythm, just terrible. And something about playing the bass, I'm better rhythmically than I am on guitar. So, so the EP will be my band whose yeah. name I will let out once the EP is done and makes sense. We get pictures and all that fun stuff yeah. done. Should and then I think, separately i will do just another ep that's just me acoustic and piano with all the nice. little crap shit i've written over the years and there's like 20 30 of those it's like uh i just want them out like out like i don't even care if people hear it i just want it down so yeah an ep with a band and, and you're gonna be singing too right yeah right yeah exciting oh yeah it's fun it, it's i just went through the process in poland of having to hear your vocals yeah. recorded dry and played back to you and you're like oh god i really do suck <laughs> but but that that's normal so i, I got over that hurdle. when can we expect this this, this release when are you planning uh, loosely the, do you have an idea what what month is it? Oh God, right, we're September. September, yeah. I didn't think about it too. Oh shit. Um, before Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. I want to thank you for being on the show and. You're welcome. This has been great, you know. And okay. we'll keep in touch, okay? But we'll okay. Music when it comes out. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you so much, Sean. You take care. You have, you have a good day. Okay. Bye. You too. Bye. 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 Ciao.